If you've been following the Sociology Podcast since I launched it in 2021, you will be aware of the Reverse Psychology subseries, which is basically unpopular Chicago opinions from Chicago. You will also be aware of the SAT, the Sociology Awareness Test, where I quiz random Chicagoans about different questions in regards to Chicago history and culture. Well, this Black History Month, I'm introducing the Chicago Goats subseries. This is basically a black Chicago history blitz that details and gives brief summaries of different black Chicagoans that lived in our city and did great things in their respective careers and left a huge impact not on the city but on the entire world. So without further ado, let's get into it. From Harold Washington to Harold's Chicken and everything in between and beyond, this is Sociology. American race prejudice must be destroyed. That's a very bold, direct, intentional mission statement, isn't it? It's actually the first of nine goals that the Chicago Defender newspaper set out to accomplish. The founder of this newspaper, he was a fighter and avid defender of rights. His name was Robert Sinstack Abbott. And this newspaper was a reflection of him. He is the defender. Born on Christmas Eve 1870 in St. Simons, Georgia, the area of the Gullah, and raised in Savannah, Georgia, his parents were freedmen, meaning they were born into enslavement, and they were freed upon the Confederacy's surrender in the Civil War. His father unfortunately died when he was a baby, and his mother Flora remarried a mixed man named John Sinstack. And John raised Robert as if he were his own son, and Flora agreed to make Robert's middle name Sinstack to mark his belonging in the family since all of his younger siblings carried this as their last names. Robert Abbott would attend the HBCU, Hampton University, but at the time, in 1892, it was called Hampton Institute, and he majored in printing. He sang in the Hampton Choir and Quartet and toured the entire country. After he graduated from Hampton, he made his way to Chicago and obtained a law degree from Kent College of Law in 1898, but he was told he was too black to succeed as a lawyer, and eventually he settled in on his calling. He started the Chicago Defender newspaper in 1905 in the dining room of the boarding house he lived in at the time. His landlady, a lady named Mrs. Lee, encouraged him to do this when she realized he had no money and exhausted all his other options. And as an entrepreneur, it's a whole sermon right there. I might use this as a template for a future Mogul Motivation episode when people see that you are exhausted and they encourage and empower you anyhow. But anyway, early Chicago Defender writer Faye Young will later on say this in his life about Mrs. Lee's nurturing presence. Quote, we swiped her cookies, used her kitchen, used her gas, cooked lunch on her stove with her utensils, then went back to scribbling our copy. We looked upon her as our mother and, of course, felt that her home was our home, end quote. And Robert Abbott would echo those sentiments. Despite this generosity, though, the newspaper still struggled big time early on. Subscriptions is what really kept him afloat. And Robert Abbott was stretching dollars in every direction. It's as if the business was another mouth to feed itself. It was like it was a child. He would later on recall in his life that he would travel up and down State Street in Bronzeville marketing the paper. And people would laugh at him and say, quote, we have to buy paper from this man because he's only kidding himself, end quote. Abbott was going to every business, every church, virtually every residential block on the South Side to sell this newspaper that was promoting positivity, equity and equality for black America. But eventually, he would develop a genius distribution strategy by unofficially employing the Pullman porters who worked on the train cars. 
This served many purposes. Number one, it informed the porters themselves of news regarding black people. And number two, it expanded the reach of the paper to the deep south. This system was executed in a clandestine way, though, because many southern cities banned the Chicago Defender. It sounds a lot like what's going on in the state of Florida in the year 2024, doesn't it? But yeah, a lot of southern cities banned people from reading the Chicago Defender and definitely from selling the Chicago Defender. But nonetheless, this strategy and Robert Abbott's perseverance paid off as subscribers increased and so did circulation. It was at 50,000 by 1916, 125,000 by 1918, and more than 250,000 in the 1920s. It became the most circulated black newspaper in the country and it was known as America's black newspaper. After a long and grueling 15-year period, the paper finally churned a profit and Robert Sinstack Abbott became a millionaire. He even purchased Mrs. Lee her own mansion. The Chicago Defender was extremely instrumental in the Great Migration, or as they called it, the Great Northern Drive. They encouraged disenfranchised and oppressed black people in the South to move north, specifically to Chicago, but not only to find better opportunities, but to fight for their rights once they got up here because Robert Abbott and the entire staff was very aware that racism existed in northern cities as well. Some of the marketing strategies that they used to do this were photographs of luxurious Chicago homes in the Black Belt, bungalows, um, high schools such as Lindblom High School in Inglewood. The large Roman columns and the neoclassical facade at the entrance was daylight compared to the small and crammed schoolhouses of the South. So this certainly encouraged millions of black Americans to move north between 1910 and 1940. In 1923, Abbott created the fictional character Bub Billiken in the children's column of the newspaper. This was a symbol of pride, happiness, and hope for the black youth. This would inspire the Bub Billiken Parade, which started in 1929. It was the first annual version of that parade, which still exists to this day, and is still the largest black American parade in the country and the second largest parade of any kind in the country. And this is actually huge to me personally because thinking about how the Bud Billiken Parade used to be in the 90s compared to how it is now is no comparison. And even elders say the same thing about how it was in the 90s compared to how it was in the 60s and the 70s. It's no comparison. But the parade, it starts at 35th Street on King Drive and it heads south through Bronzeville and it concludes at 55th Street in Washington Park. Every single year, the Bud Billiken Parade is held in August to conclude the summer and the start of the school year for the Chicago public school system. Robert Abbott would die in 1940 in Chicago. His mansion at 4742 King Drive is a national landmark. He currently rests at Lincoln Cemetery in Blue Island, Illinois. His nephew, John H. Sinstack, would take control of the newspaper and he would take it to even larger heights, building off of that momentum and a foundation that his uncle set. In 2019, print circulation for the newspaper will cease, but it is still very much active online in the digital space. Imagery is important, and that's why I have such a strong passion for media representation, is why I majored in broadcasting, is why everything I do in my entrepreneurial career is media-based. Robert Abbott understood this over 100 years ago, and the Chicago Defender was his brainchild. There isn't a racial issue that the newspaper did not tackle head-on. You may have heard the Defender in reference to some other Chicagoats in this series, and you're going to hear it even more in the coming days and weeks because the Chicago Defender encompassed and embraced everything black and did it unapologetically. It was the voice for black America in a time where black voices were muffled by major media outlets. And that voice has encouraged many other black media proprietors to follow the same path and continue to work 
of Robert Sinstack Abbott, the defender. His number one goal is to destroy American race prejudice, and that is what we are doing to this day. If you enjoyed this podcast, I ask for two things and I will love you forever. Number one, please engage with us on social media. So like, share, subscribe, and comment on whatever platform you're listening to it on. And number two, please make sure you pass it on to a friend who will enjoy it as well.